um, junior church and to the boys class, if you guys want to make your way out there. Um, I do want to make sure you understand one thing. When we say that the barbecue starts at 11, that doesn't mean you have to come at 11. That means just don't come at 10 and expect that there's food ready for you. There may not be. And we'll probably start grilling a little bit after 11. So again, if you're like, I want lunch at 11.05, you better bring it with you. Um, but yeah, 11, we'll, we'll, we'll have everything set up hopefully around about that time. And um, you can just start pouring in. And you can stay, I know you might have other obligations, so stay as long or as little as you'd like. Of course, we'd like you to stay for a while um, just to get to fellowship more and talk and, and get to know you and again invite whoever you'd like to invite and um, hopefully it'll be a blast. We just sang one of the greatest hymns, It Is Well With My Soul. And we sing it and we get excited about it, but I do have a question and it's unrelated to the message, but is it well with our soul? Not everything in life goes the way we want it to go. And yet we as professing believers will say that, yes, we're going to follow God, it is well with our soul. But I think we get out of sorts sometimes when things don't go the way we want them to go. And in that particular story behind that, and I'm not going to give you the story behind it right now, um, but there is a big tragedy that happened, and yet the uh, hymn writer writes, it is well with my soul, even though his family had died. And, and um, man, that's a big, big testament of God's grace in the midst of a crazy trial. So um, I'm glad we sing the song and I'm hoping that in the time of need we'd live the song. And for some of you, you know what that is. You, it has been well with your soul even though you've looked tragedy in the face and have uh, been stricken by it and yet the Lord was in the midst with you. Well, if you have your Bible, I want you to open up to two places today. Hebrews chapter 11 again and then Joshua chapter 2. Hebrews 11 in Joshua chapter 2, we're in this little mini-series on faith, and maybe it's not mini-series, maybe it's just a straight series, um, and again, we're reminded of such truths in the Bible as the just shall live by faith, and the just meaning those that are justified, those that are saved, justification is just the legally declared not guilty by the Lord through salvation, so those that are saved are the just, shall live by faith. Um, we walk by faith, not by sight. Jesus said that if we have the faith as small as a mustard seed, we can literally move mountains. And in Hebrews 11, the writer is delineating these great testimonies of faith actualized, faith lived out. Faith is more than just wishful thinking, remember. It's not just, I hope it's true, I hope it's true, I hope it's true. It is literally taking God at His word and trusting in His sovereign grace, sovereign leadership, and that he's, that he's going to use us in, in whatever way pleases him, and that he's got this. And again, I want to remind you, it takes a lot of stress and worry away from us when we do live by faith. And you hear the cliche statements, and they're not too cliche because they are kind of biblical. Um, you know, faith drives out fear. And I know that's probably like a big bumper sticker these days. Uh, or where there's no uh, faith, there's fear. Where there's no fear, there's, or faith, there's no fear. Things of that nature. So last week we looked at Moses and it was Mother's Day and so we kind of put emphasis on Moses' mother who by faith put him in the river. Trusting that whatever happens to my dear precious child, it's in God's hands. And we made some application of that. Today we come to the next part. Let's pray and then we'll look at the next testimony of faith. And I want to point some things out and then launch off into uh, Joshua in just a second. But let's pray. Father, once again we thank you, Lord, that through what you've done, you proved that you can be trusted. And Father, even if you didn't prove it to us, you showcased it 
and given us enough evidence that it all ought to be there that we can trust you, we can take you at your word, we can believe the Bible, every single jot and tittle of it, and Father, that we ought to. We ought to walk by faith. Lord, I confess my fickleness and my fear oftentimes, my doubt. And Lord, I pray that you'd forgive me through that. I ask, Lord, that you would walk us through this to challenge us, to convict us, to strengthen our hands in this area of faith. Thank you for all these testimonies. Father, whereby we can believe, we can follow, and Lord, we can be changed. And so we ask for the grace of God to be present. We ask for the Spirit of God to be prevalent in our midst. And Father, we cannot do anything without your presence. And so we step out of the way that you might step in the way, Father, and then speak to us in any which way which would glorify you. And so, Lord, we lift all this up to you, and we ask for the word of God to be a sharp two-edged sword today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at Hebrews chapter number 11, and we'll begin at verse number 30. Bible says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down, after they were compassed about seven days. I want to stop there for just a second. We're not going to read a lot of narrative about Jericho because I do want to um, go to the next verse in just a second. <clears throat> but I want to give you the story in short. Moses is sent back to the people of Israel and told them, let my people go. And Moses is all nervous about it, right? Even great champions of faith have their doubts and their fears and their arguments with God. I, I, maybe this is said badly. But aren't you glad that sometimes champions of faith do argue with God? And the reason I say that is because sometimes I argue with God. And, and that's not a good thing, but sometimes I do. And sometimes I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You're, you're, you're mistaken, God. You've got the wrong guy. You've got the wrong thing going on over here. And yet God still is persistent. And then I, uh, like Moses, confess, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm the wrong. Uh, I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm sorry for not trusting you in all this. Well, God sends Moses back and, and through the, the plagues in Egypt and lets him go, and Pharaoh lets him go, and the Red Sea parting. And now they're making their way to the Promised Land, and Moses sends out some spies, and basically it's known, and remember Moses got probably over a million people that he's leading to the Promised Land, the one that was promised all the way back to Abraham a couple hundred years before this. And he sends out the spies to go into the land, and he sends out 12 of them, and they come back, and they have this horrible report. They said, we can't do it. It's off. The entire task is off. The journey's over. It's a bad idea. We've got to go back to slavery. We've got to go die in the wilderness. We've got to go do something. We can't go there. And Joshua and Caleb are there, the two champions of faith. They're not even mentioned here, but it's implied in some senses of what they did. They said, why can't we go there? God said it. Let's do it. What are we doubting? And the other ten spies said, no, 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 no. There's three big problems. The first big problem is that they have a lot more people than we do. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go in this land. Because remember what the promised land was all about. Go there. It's been promised to you. But there's a lot of people that live there. Kick them out. And if they don't, you don't, if, if don't want to leave, kill them. And drive them out. It's your land. I gave it to you. Well, how are we supposed to get all these people out of their cities, out of their land, and, and, and go? How are we supposed to do this? Too many of them. The second problem was... The cities all have walls around them. How are we supposed to get through walls? I mean, we're talking walls so thick that people lived inside of the walls. And chariots would run on top of the walls. How are we supposed to break into cities and kick people out who far outnumber us with these giant walls? And the third problem was that they had the children of Anak there. The children of Anak were giants. 
Um, the, the children of Israel went there and were like, <gasps> I mean, I don't know what it looked like, but think mythological, although not mythological, historically accurate. Um, they went there and they said, we are grasshoppers in their sight. We literally look like little bugs in their sight. I mean, you're nuts. These are, and think Goliath. Think maybe a whole tribe of people like Goliath. And by the way, put this in your head. Look how many times uh, Og is mentioned in the Bible versus uh, Goliath. Og is someone who may have been taller than Goliath and is mentioned more than Goliath, but we have the great story of David and Goliath, so we know him more. And there's another one, I think his name is Bashan, um, who was another guy that was really, really tall as well. So think giants, and he said, we have three problems, too many people, there's walls around the city, and yet there's these giants in the land. And that lack of faith there, that lack of believing God, God said, go out into the promised land and take it. They came back with a bad report. Their lack of faith led them to have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. What I want to put into the forefront of your mind right now is the fact that faith matters. We're looking at what faith does in all of these wonderful things that it, 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 it saved Israel out of Egypt through Moses and Moses' mother and it, and it brought Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees to follow a God he did not originally know and go out and to be the person of promise and, and through the, his life will become the Messiah. We, we're talking about all these things that faith accomplishes and we're looking at that now today but I also want you to see what the lack of faith does. Can I say it like this? We cannot afford... To not believe God in our daily living. It is a major problem when we stop believing what God can do. Here I am again, preaching to you, thinking, but don't you do that sometimes? And I answer myself, yeah, and so why are you preaching that? Because I need that too, because sometimes I'm like, I don't think God can do this. The lack of faith caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. They could have went right there. And it wasn't just like, oh, it's a 40-year journey, like from point A to point B. It was like this. For 40 years. Now you can go in. Why can't we just go in? Because you didn't believe me the first time. The lack of faith causes all kinds of problems in our life. And it hinders what God wants to do and what God can do and don't hear me take away from the power of God but what God can do with people uh, versus with people who will believe what he says and so after the 40 years Moses dies and Joshua is going to take over and, and Joshua has been the protege of Moses in many ways and he was one of the two spies that had went off and said yes we can do this and now they come up to the first test of faith Okay, believing God can do it is one thing. He can do it. He is able. He is able. I know my God is able. And then they get to the wall and they go, now what? Do we like start punching it? God says to Joshua, no, 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 no. I got a better idea. I want you to walk around the wall for seven days. One time a day for seven days. And then on the seventh day, I want you to walk seven times. And then after that, blow the trumpets. And then what? Well, then you'll see. It's one thing if that's all you had to do. It's another thing if the leader of the people, you come back and say, I know what we got to do. And the people say, what do we got to do? 
We just got to walk around and then blow a trumpet. That is the dumbest plan I've ever heard. Hey, listen, I'm just delivering the mail. God said it. That's what we're going to do. And you know what? The people believed it. Mo, uh, Joshua believed it. He said, I have no other choice. If it were easy, it was, wouldn't be a faith. Remember, we've been saying that. If it were easy, it wouldn't be faith. And sometimes God tests our faith by asking us to be involved in something only He can accomplish. Let me say that again. Oftentimes, God tests our faith by getting us involved in something only He can accomplish. In no, in no world, in no world, by human hands, does a wall come down blowing trumpets. None. None. I don't want to hear some, well, the amount of decibels. No, no, it was a wall with houses in it. And they blew the trumpet because they, and what, did, what happened? The walls came down. Why? Because God did it. Remember this verse. When things become impossible for man, they become possible for God. God specializes in the impossible. And sometimes he says, let me see how much you're willing to trust me even in this impossible situation. And yet, it came down. And we're told here, through the Bible, that by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, God did it because they believed it. Reversing back, by faith, they had to walk around 40 years because they had no faith. Big difference, big difference, big difference. Look at this next verse, though, because it does include this wall. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Notice the title given to her. The King James uses the word harlot. In other versions, it may say um, things like prostitute, things of that nature. That's what her profession was in that particular time period. And we know that those things would be a violation of God's law and God's morality and God's holiness. And yet, when God begins to hand-select testimonies of faith, who does he select as one of them? Rahab, the harlot. Let me also say this. She wasn't Jewish. She was of the Canaanites. She was of the people who were not followers of God. She was of the people who were not from the Exodus. She was of the people that were classified as the enemy of God's people. Rahab the harlot, by the way, she is also female. Big deal. Um, in ancient times, in a very patriotic society... A woman is not normally listed as a prominent figure. And yet God said, but in my book, she is. Uh, sometimes uh, someone asked me recently, isn't the Bible a little chauvinistic? And I said, well, if you understand the culture in which it, the time period it was written, you'll realize that the Word of God gives more rights to women than any ancient cultural writing. And by the way, it's not just an ancient cultural writing. It is the word of God, the sharper than a two-edged sword, inspired and, and, and preserved by God. And, and so it's not just any book. But, it, but here, that's a big thing to say Rahab. Uh, they would not, uh, you know, the skeptics and scoffers, would not, would, if they 
they would not have liked that to be included there. Why? Because number one, especially the Jewish leaders, because she's not Jewish, she has an immoral past, and she's a woman. Before we get off into her story, I want to point out some other things. Verse 31 says, the Rahab harlot, I mean, the harlot Rahab. Verse 32, you're looking down midway, you'll see Samson. And then a little bit while later, you see David. Rahab, Samson, and David are all known to be pretty big sinners, aren't they? We have David and Bathsheba, and then her, him murdering her husband, among other things we'll get to in a few weeks. And we have Samson, who also struggled, was immorality and, and a woman named Jez, uh, uh, not Jezebel, named Delilah. And we have Rahab, whose struggle was her doing what she did. And yet, God, by name, allows these three to be named here. And what that tells us is that you don't have to be defined by your worst moments, and your past doesn't have to dictate your future, because faith and Jesus Christ can change everything about your life, no matter what happened before. Isn't that a great hope? Isn't that a great truth? That even if your life up to this point was not what you wanted it to be, it don't have to be that way anymore. And God can change your life. And you can be a testimony of faith like Rahab was, like Samson is, was, and like David was. So let's go back to Rahab for just a second. Or not for just a second, for the rest of the time. But by faith, the harlot Rahab perished. Not with them that believe not when she had received the spies with peace. Now you might say, why does God have to include that title there? Um, isn't that a shameful one? It is a shameful one to you and I, but it is a trophy of God's grace to him. What does that mean? Unless you know the severity of your sin, you'll never know the power and entirety of God's grace. Unless you know the vileness of your iniquity, you'll never know the grandeur of his love. And so by listing Rahab in this particular way, and still naming her as a child of faith and as a testimony of faith, it is saying even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's what it's saying. And so no matter what your life has been, Christ loves you and died for you and can use you. Now let's go to Joshua chapter 2. In Joshua chapter 2, we'll begin reading um, at the beginning. The Bible says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out, uh, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into har the har a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. So here's the scenario. The children of Israel are at the precipice of the promised land now. They're about to try to occupy, enter. They're, trying to, they're stepping out by faith, saying, Okay, here we go, Lord. We're here. We're ready to go. Here's, here's the test. We're walking by faith. But let's do some reconnaissance. Let's go out there and send some people into Jericho to find out what all was going on there. What do we have to do? And let's go see what's going on. 
And so two spies came in, and, and, and I don't know for sure, but I would say if you enter at a criminal's house, that's probably safer than entering into the governor's house of the enemy. And so they enter into the governor's house. I mean, to the criminal's house. But the problem is, she was seen by other people saying, we saw people of Israel, the children of Israel, go into her house. And the leader of Jericho is told this, and, and they know, I mean, they've seen this, you know, they've, probably they know that they're out there somewhere close. And, and so the leader, the king of Jericho, if you will, sends out people to say, okay, Rahab, we know you have some of the enemy in there. Bring them to us. So here is Rahab with this choice. Become a hero for Jericho or respond to the way God's working in her heart. How do I know God's working in her heart? Because she's about to do something that defies logic. She's about to do something that defies the entirety of her life up to this point. Up to this point, she's done very fleshly things. She's lived... In a way, maybe she had to, maybe she wanted to. I'm not here to judge her on that. I'm just saying she didn't live um, a life that's consistent with the children of Israel and the law of God. But here she is, God's working in her heart, and she's got a choice. Either hand them over to the king of Jericho and become sort of a hero, perhaps, or become at least applauded by the king, or respond in faith. You know, the devil often comes our way to offer us some um, candy at the end of the stick so we don't walk by faith. He'll reward you if you don't walk by faith. Or at least he appears to reward you. He'll say, well, you can have this if you don't trust God in this. And that's kind of Rahab's situation. Obe and obey the government, right? We have, oh, i got to obey the government and I want to, um, I'll get some kind of applause or do I trust a God I don't even know. Because this is not her God in the sense of the one she grew up with. Verse number four. And the woman um, took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after were gone out, they shut the gate. Before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord had given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and all that the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, there's Og, whom ye shall utterly destroy, ye utterly destroy. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did we remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven, above and in earth, beneath. So the king comes 
and in a what seems to be a quick response of faith, but not an unintelligent one, not a non-evidential one. She makes this blistering choice of faith that forever changes the world. She hides the men. Simple. And the king comes in and says, they were here, but they left, and I don't know where they went, but I think they went that way. You better go run after them. If you do really fast, you'll probably get them. Now, the men are probably nervous because they're hiding up there on the roof. And she comes up there after they're gone. She shuts the gate and says, guys, it's okay to come out. And in their mind, they got to be thinking, what in the world? Why would you hide us? And she begins to tell the story. But I want you to see something about how God works. God takes care of his people, the two spies, through acts of faith by other people that he's worked in their heart concerning. Do you see how God orchestrates all of those things? He might work in your heart to take care of somebody else, and in taking somebody else, he's taking care of them. Instruments of faith, instruments of grace, instruments of his glory. So she says, listen, we know that this land is your land. And we know that God has given it to you. I want you to see here, and it's clearly seen in the King James Bible, Capital L-O-R-D, that is the name of Yahweh. That's Jehovah, Yahweh. That's not just a title like God or the Lord in heaven or um, uh, uh, the creator of the universe or even things like the Ancient of Days and, and, and the Rose of Sharon. No, no, this is the name Yahweh of God. And she starts quoting that. She says, I know your God, Lord Jehovah, Yahweh, your God has given us, you, this land. And, and he's put it in our heart. And everybody here is scared to death because we know what God's going to do. And she says this, I'm choosing God's side. We heard what happened on the other side of Jordan by the Red Sea. We heard what happened there with the Egyptians. And you notice she didn't say we heard what Moses did. She said we heard what your God did. And then we heard what happened with those two kings, Og and Sihon. And they were, you can look it up. They were like, uh, I think one of their coffins was like 14 feet long. What do you need a 14 foot long coffin if the guy is only 5 foot 9? And she said, we heard what you did to those kings and we knew it was your God and we know your God's come after us and I'm choosing... The Lord your God. He is God. Don't you love when the heathen cry out in belief the name of God? Nebuchadnezzar did it. Later on, other leaders of foreign countries will do it. And she says, the Lord your God, He is God. That's an act of faith. She's a woman who has a pretty checkered past. And she says, I'm just going to believe God. And in an act of faith, I just am going to trust that God is going to take care of it. You know that a lot of times God will put you in that situation and say, will you just trust me in the impossible? Will you trust me with your life? Because if this goes wrong, what's going to happen to Rahab? She's trusting that God 
will take care of her. Even from her own kin who might kill her. Here's a very important thing I want you to see. Well, let me read this next verse and, the, and then I'll point it out. Now, therefore, I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I've showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. And that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all they have and deliver our lives from death. Now, here's what I want you to see. What came first? The promise of safety and deliverance or the act of faith? The act of faith. Sometimes we say this, tell me what's going to happen, then I will trust you. Mm -mm, that's not faith, that's sight. God says, trust me first, and then let me handle it after. How many people here, don't have to raise your hand, how many people here, nope, 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 I want the map before I decide where I'm going when it comes to walking with God. Friends, let me remind you, faith goes far beyond human calculations, far beyond our mind, far beyond what's tangible, far beyond what we can handle, far beyond the steering wheel which we try to drive. It is literally letting it go, letting God deal with it, trusting Him. And even if He doesn't do what we want Him to do, we will press forward and trust Him still. She, she, I mean, she makes this great act of faith and... and She's brand new to God. Brand new, or God's brand new to her. I also want you to notice this other great thing. She says, please, please, please. She doesn't just say, spare me. What does she say? Promise me you'll spare my father and my mother, my family. Now look at the response. And the man answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Deal. Deal. Do you know that sometimes your faith may greatly affect your family who may not even have faith? Here's another example. Um, when Joseph was in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's house was blessed. Why? Because of Joseph. Here, Rahab's family is going to be spared because of Rahab's faith. Now, nobody goes to heaven because of somebody else's faith. I want to be clear on that. Um, because I believe in God and trust Jesus as my Savior, that doesn't quantify my children going to heaven. They have to have their own individual faith. But I, what I will say this is if I walk by faith... That might greatly affect my children and the blessing upon our house and our family. And it may spare them from some things that otherwise they may have faced. Uh, Rahab's family is about to face destruction. And so is everybody else in Jericho. And so is everybody else in the wall. And yet, and yet, Rahab's faith extends to them to save them. And by the way, her past... Her past, her past that Satan wants to keep bringing and saying, God will never beckon unto you. He'll never bless you. He'll never listen to you. Rahab has solidified 
the hand of God by simply just believing and trusting and then acting in that faith. Now, she's not trying to disobey her government. She's not trying to, she's trying to obey God. And it's best she knows how. She is trying to obey God, and in obeying God, she winds up choosing to disobey the, the, the government here, the king. So it's not about disobedience, it's more about obedience to God. And whatever that looks like to the rest of everybody else is what it looks like to the rest of everybody else. Verse 15, then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall. And she dwelt upon the wall. See, I told you there were houses in the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, let the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. She even tells them how to get out of there. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all the father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whatsoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be in thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. Now I'm going to stop there for just a second. Actually, verse 21. And she said, according unto your word, so be it. She sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet line in the window. Man, how fitting that the thing that's going to save her is a scarlet thread. What color is scarlet? Blood. What color was the blood of the lamb? Red. Scarlet's red, yeah. The blood of the lamb, red. The blood of Christ red and all those that dwell in here shall be okay all those that are under the scarlet shall be saved and all those that go are not under the scarlet shall be killed and what did Rahab make sure is going to happen everybody better be under the blood under the scarlet friend that is a clear picture of salvation if I've ever seen one that this will save the sinner from earthly destruction, but the more amazing aspect is it saves them from eternal destruction. From the eternal destruction that, that winds up happening, that goes. And we find out later on that as the walls come down, she is taking out, look at verse 23 of chapter 6 of Joshua. Bible here says, and the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire. This is after the wall came down. And all that was therein, only the silver and gold and the vessels of brass and iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelt in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. In many ways, this is like Noah's ark. Get in, get in and you'll be saved. I can imagine Rahab going on that day, listen, you better get in that house. You better get in that house right now. The scarlet thread's the only thing that saves. Get in, get in. You better get in. If you don't get in, you'll be burned alive. She became an evangelizer. 
an evangelist. She became a soul winner. She became very concerned about the destination and the eternity and the judgment that was coming of the people around her. Because the Bible says her father, her mother, and all that were in there. And I don't know who was in there. By faith, Noah built the ark. And when it was time, he cried out for people to get in. Rahab, in an act of faith, trusted God. Hiding the messengers was the act of faith. It wasn't faith. It's an act of faith. Faith happens in the heart and in the belief, in the belief of the soul to God before the act comes. But it's tested through the act. It's shown through the act. It's seen through the act. And the effects are felt through the act. And then she came this day. Get in. Get in. Why? Because they're going to walk around, blow the trumpet, they're going to come down. I wouldn't believe that. And yet, the spies went in. Before you destroy this, let me go. Come on out. Come on out. Come on out. Come on out. Go. And then they burned everything. Unless you think I'm making too much of a story, the writer of Hebrews 11 says, but let me tell you some of the greatest people of faith in the entire history of mankind. And he hand selects the testimony of a woman of Canaanite blood, the enemy of Israel, who has a checkered, immoral, sinful past, who just simply believed God in the impossible. A God she didn't have working knowledge of that much. A God that was not the God of her people. And a faith that affected her entire family and changed the course of history. And she was saved by the scarlet thread. Friend, faith is not just this like little whisper. It's not just this little, this little shadow. It changes the course of life. It changes everything. And I know we use this word all the time, faith, faith, faith. What is faith? Well, we see here again, it's belief, right? It has something to do with belief and trusting. It has the idea of believing before it's seen, right? Faith, not sight. She trusted God before it was even given to her the promise. And look at that. The grace of God came to her. How has the grace of God gotten? By faith. Let me say this real quick. We're just about done. If you can earn grace, it's not grace, it's a reward. It's earned. It's a wage. Grace can only come when you have earned the opposite. Grace can only come when you've proven yourself unworthy and unfaithful and deserving of penalty. God can alleviate penalty, mercy, and then bless you anyway. Grace. How has grace gotten? Faith. Friend, can we get excited about God for a second and say, this is the God we serve? This God who can move mountains, can change the course of history, can do the impossible, not just can do the impossible, but looks to do the impossible, but is an expert in doing the impossible, that is waiting to do the impossible. He's waiting for us to get involved in things He's led us to, that he, we can't complete, that only He can complete. He wants to get us into a place where he can accomplish and only he can accomplish, that only his name can be praised. 
can we we live our life in 24-hour increments what am i doing today what am i doing tomorrow can you not see how faith changes history and if it changed history that means it changes the future and what we do now will very much in fact change the history that's being written right now. And I don't want to hear, but not, what about me? I, I can't do anything. Um, Canaanite, harlot, woman. None of you fall under those standards of that culture. Just trust God. What is He calling you to do? What does He want to do with your life? What does He want to do with our church? What does he want to do in this community? How does he want to change the course? How does he want to change Long Island? How does he want to change America? How does he want to change our family? How does he want to change this region, this area? How does he want to change history? If so much can be done by just hiding two spies because she believed, think of what God could use us to do for his glory, not for ours, for his glory. I don't know about you, but that's the train I want to be on. I want to be on that boat. I want to be on that train. I want to be on that ark. I want to be wherever God is going. Wherever God's going, I hope he takes me with him. And I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make his trip miserable because I'm going to be doubting and I'm going to be fickle and I'm going to be arguing and I'm going to be you know, fearing. I know those things. I still want to be on it. What a mighty God we serve. But you and I, let's respond in faith. This world's got nothing on our God. What a mighty God we serve. Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. Father, thank you so much for the testimony of Rahab. For how she was able to, to do mighty things. And Father, not just Rahab's testimony, but the faith of the people of Israel who went into the land that they were outnumbered by, that had walls, that had the children of Anak there, and yet, through faith, the walls came down. Through faith, the spies were hidden. And Father, you didn't, you didn't name Joshua here. You didn't name Caleb here. You named Rahab. You didn't name a dozen other people who may have, in faith, done many other things. You named Rahab. And to that, I praise your name for it. It gives us hope, the fallen, the broken. It gives us hope that you can use us. Father, what a mighty God we serve. May we respond in faith. May we act in faith. May you use us as children of faith. May we walk by faith and not by sight. May faith not just be a vocabulary word we use with our lips, but may it be something our life has lived out. And Father, may you give us that burden of souls knowing that only through the scarlet thread will someone be saved, only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Will they be saved? And may we share that burden. May we share that invitation. May we go out and call people unto you and empower us to do it. We love you, Lord. We pray all this now in Jesus' name. With everyone's head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I want to ask you just a few questions and we're, we're done. How many people here would say, Pastor Jason, I don't know if I've ever asked Jesus to be my personal savior. I don't know if I'm going to heaven when I die. 
Would you please pray for me? If you're not sure you're on your way to heaven, can I pray for you today? I won't embarrass you or call you out or anything like that. Would you quietly raise your hand? I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. Please pray for me. Would you quietly raise your hand right now that I can pray for you? Is there one like that here? I see your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody else that I miss? How many people here would say this? Pastor Jason, as a testimony unto God, I was either convicted or inspired to be a child, to, to walk in faith. I was inspired of faith in my life, or I was convicted of the lack of faith in my life, and I want God to use me as a trophy of His grace and to increase my faith and to use me as an instrument of faith. If God spoke to your heart in some way like that, would you raise your hand? Many hands. Many hands. Hey, listen, if nothing else, let our church be a church of faith. And what is the church? It's not this building, it's the people. And if the church is going to be a church of faith, then it's going to be a people of faith. We just got to trust God. We just got to keep on moving forward. We just got to take him at his word. It gets scary, it gets dicey. But we're going to keep on keeping on. Why? Because it's our God that we're walking with. Let's stand to our feet, head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you want to come talk to somebody about salvation, you come meet me up front. You want to come pray about something. Maybe you want to confess something. Maybe you want to pray for our church. Maybe you want to pray for your own life, your family. Use this time as a time. Maybe God just point out an area in your life where you're doubting or you're fearful. Just come. Maybe you say, I want to be like Rahab. God, show me an area where I can respond in faith. Or maybe you have a burden for souls. You say, wow, how my faith can affect those I love. You come, whatever it is, you're invited. It's the invitation. You come speak to God. Friend, I don't know where you are in your journey. And you might be first time in church for all I know. And you might be thinking, man, what is he getting all crazy about? Sometimes I can't help it because I start thinking about who God is. And, I, and it's not an act. It's not a show. I'm thinking, man, that's, why do, then I get excited who God is. And then I get disappointed at who I am before God. Like, why do I doubt God? I'm reminded. That's what, these, that's what Hebrews 11 in part is about, is to remind us of what God has done. The victories he's wrought. And that's our God. I wish I had a more consistent faith in the sense of never doubting, never, never fearing. Rahab just believed it. Okay, when the, she believed that when the destruction came, God was going to spare her. They could have all been snakes. They could have all been fakes. She could have been killed. Nope. She said, I'll, I'll trust God. I'll just trust God. And to me, that inspires my heart. Here's this woman who died thousands of years ago. She may have lived her life one way, but here we are talking about it thousands of years later in a church saying, wow, what a testament of faith. Listen, why, why are we going over faith so much? I don't know. First of all, God led us there. I didn't pick it. And number two, we're going to have a lot more days ahead of us 
no matter what the journey looks like, where we're going to have to walk by faith, not by sight. So if there's one thing you and I need to have a working knowledge of, it's faith in God and how to walk with Him in faith. There's still people praying. You're still invited. If you're sitting in your seat, meditate upon it. Think upon it. Think upon it. Dwell on it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. And uh, Lord, I just continually am in awe of how you use all of us here how you've called us here, Father, and um, we get to worship together and we get to talk about you and hear from your spirit. Father, thank you that your spirit is alive and well in this place. Thank you for the testimony of Rahab. Thank you so much, Lord, that she just in simplicity believed and then acted on it. You are a wonderful God. We don't deserve even one iota of kindness and love from you you give it anyway because that's who you are you are love and father forgive us for our sin forgive us for when we've interfered with that forgive us when father we've been fickle and and fearful about things thank you lord for loving us in the way you do lord i pray you dismiss us with your blessing bless the food we love you lord in jesus name we pray amen